Hello, I'm Chance Leopold with Leopold Cattle Company, West Columbia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas from New Orleans at the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show where we've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. We are in New Orleans reporting from the 2023 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. Lots of topics to discuss at this convention, including one that is fresh on everyone's minds. The lesser prairie chickens listing under the Endangered Species Act. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The winter wheat season in the Texas High Plains still has a long way to go. And it could be that ultimately the outcomes, field to field, come down to timing. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A recap of the January weather in Texas and a look ahead to the February forecast in a month that is generally a transition period during the year. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll go to the National Weather Service in Fort Worth on Texas Ag Today. Mild temperatures during January has pastures around the coastal bend trying to green up. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the coastal bend area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Our show today coming to you from New Orleans, site of the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. And our coverage this week is sponsored by Performance Livestock Analytics, makers of Performance Ranch Software, an easy-to-use solution for cow-calf producers. Performance Ranch helps you manage cow-calf data in real time. You can create and access digital records whether you're in the pasture, at the chute, or in the barn without searching for a notebook or group text. Learn more at performancelivestockanalytics.com. Cattle producers from across the country are discussing a lot of topics here in New Orleans this week, and one topic that's fresh on their minds is the recent listing of the lesser prairie chicken. State and regional cattle groups along with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, are suing the Biden administration over the Lesser Prairie Chicken's Endangered Species Listing Proposal. NCBA Associate Director for Governmental Affairs Sigrid Johannes says the proposal will create complications for the beef industry. 
First and foremost, the numbers of lesser prairie chickens that are out there thriving on rangeland at every different life stage that they go through are thriving in pasture, in the same sort of rangelands and you know varying, uh, varying diverse grasslands that are cultivated by cattle producers. They don't live in cropland, you know, they don't live in those very uniform grasslands. They gravitate to the areas where cattle producers are actively working to, you know, to cultivate a, a profile of vegetation that's beneficial not just to livestock, but to the lesser prairie chicken and, and a great many other wildlife species. NCBA is also concerned with the way the listing was written and the dangerous precedent that this listing could set for other bird species, such as the sage grouse. We think this line between the northern distinct population segment and the southern distinct population segment is pretty arbitrary. There's not a whole lot of genomic or geospatial evidence to support the division of those two groups of birds. And second of all, the 4D rule that's been written for that northern DPS is hugely overreaching and really poses a lot of concerns for us about the power that fish and wildlife is giving away to third parties to oversee the way that private landowners graze on their ranches in those in those states. That's NCBA Associate Director of Governmental Affairs, Sigrid Johannes. Lots of other topics on the agenda to discuss this week, things like the new Waters of the U.S. rule and the 2023 Farm Bill. We'll be reporting on those as the week progresses. Weather is on a lot of Texans' minds this week with the massive ice storm that has blanketed the western and central parts of the state. Tom Nicoletti has his monthly check-in with a National Weather Service meteorologist. My guest from Fort Worth is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw. Tom, looking back at January, two episodes of a wide array of weather the last couple of weeks including this current snow, sleet, and ice storm over most of Texas going into February. Yeah, good to be with you again, Tom. And obviously, the, the big story in January was the uh, Arctic outbreak that occurred at the last week of the month. A strong cold front plunged southward and across Texas last Sunday of the month, and that resulted in widespread both sleet and freezing rain across a good part of northern, central, and actually southeast Texas as well as we got into the very last uh, couple of days of the month of January back on the 24th uh, last week when we had a very strong storm system move out of the southern Rockies and move straight across the state of Texas. It brought a wide variety of weather snowfall across the Panhandle and parts of the South Plains, West Central Texas, even parts of North Central Texas around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then on the flip side, we had very significant thunderstorms across the southeast part of the uh, state. Around the Houston area, we had uh, multiple tornadoes, including one that uh, produced EF2 damage to south of Houston. What does February look like for the state? February is often kind of a month of transition. We start to see a little bit warmer temperatures across the state as you get into the end of the month of February as the days start to get a little bit longer. This year is no exception. Our models are suggesting that we could have generally seasonal conditions. No indications that we're going to have any big deep freezes like we've seen the last couple of Februarys. So we're hopeful that we'll see gradually warmer conditions. Generally average rainfall amounts across the state as well. That is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The winter wheat crop in Texas still has a long way to go. James Hunt tells us the outcome of the crop could come down to timing. Even with last week's snow, our winter has been dry overall, and that might factor into how things turn out in wheat fields that were planted with grain production in mind. 
Dr. Calvin Trossel, the AgriLife agronomist for the South Plains, says we could see a situation where later planted wheat benefits from not having used up moisture in the early fall. An inch of moisture for wheat is more valuable in the spring, especially late spring, provided you can get to that point without running out of water. But if you use too much of that moisture in the fall, then that leaves you with inadequate moisture in the spring to really have a good grain yield. So maybe sometimes you could say, James, that, that looks are a little bit deceiving. Here on the Lubbock Station, we have some wheat that colleagues planted much earlier. It looks like a wheat pasture. It's solid out there, and there's quite a bit of forage there right now. My wheat variety trial planted near the end of October. It's good. The stand is good. You still have bare soil between the rows, quite a bit in fact, but I would say that my wheat crop probably has just as much potential as the other one does that my colleagues planted. It doesn't look like it, but the moisture is still there for my wheat to grow when it really matters when it comes to tillering and going into reproductive growth this spring. Meanwhile, up in the Texas Panhandle, dry conditions have caused issues with some wheat struggling to even make a good stand. But AgriLife agronomist Dr. Jordan Bell says it's still a wait-and-see situation. I have learned to be cautious when I discuss the prospects of a good grain harvest because wheat will make a liar out of everyone. You know, we can have a bad wheat crop and get some timely moisture, and it's amazing how wheat can rebound. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It may be really cold in much of Texas right now, but it's been a mild winter so far down on the coast. Harvey Burig has an update from the Corpus Christi area. The National Weather Service predicted that there would be a milder and drier winter, and that certainly has been accurate for the month of January across the lower coastal bend region of South Texas. The majority of the days during this past Weeks of January have uh, normally been in the mid-70s to mid-80s, and no rain of any real significance. Conditions have allowed area farmers, though, to complete their application of fertilizer and uh, their pre-emerge herbicide applications. So the ground is in real good condition for spring planting. Now, the drier than normal part of that forecast, definitely accurate so far for the month of January. I've only recorded seven hundredths of an inch in one rainfall event that occurred on the 24th of January. In my past report, I did mention that the Nueces County Junior Livestock Show would be taking place between January 7th and the 21st, and that in years when there was little or no rain occurring during the Livestock Show weeks in Nueces County, it was a bad omen for coastal bend agriculture because it usually resulted in a very dry spring. And so far, that did come to pass this year. Let's hope that the area farmers and ranchers can still get some additional rain before planting time. But let's remember that here in the coastal bend, corn planting begins as early as the 10th to the 15th of February, providing that there's no cold weather in the five-day forecast. So more rain is definitely going to be needed to get the 2023 crop and pasture conditions off to a great start. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. Texas anglers continue to reel in bass weighing more than 13 pounds. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
and grates and raisins are toxic to dogs, but no one has been exactly sure why. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Grapes and raisins are toxic to dogs, but no one has been exactly sure why. Dr. Bob Judd says a cause may have been found. We know that ingesting grapes and raisins can lead to kidney failure in dogs, and the cause has not been discovered, but a recent report of cream of tartar toxicosis may have shed light on the cause. Cream of tartar contains tartaric acid, and six dogs in the report were exposed to tartaric acid by ingesting cream of tartar, tamarind pods, or tamarind paste. Tartaric acid can precipitate into salts, including potassium bitartrate, which is cream of tartar, and is a common baking ingredient. All exposed dogs vomited within 1 to 14 hours of exposure, and all dogs had increased kidney values within 18 to 53 hours after ingestion of the compound. Three of the dogs had complete shutdown of their kidneys and were unable to urinate despite fluid therapy. And four of the six dogs were euthanized due to severe kidney failure, while the other two dogs were lost to follow-up. A necropsy of the dogs reveals severe kidney damage as the cause of the symptoms. This may be related to the cause of raisin and grape toxicity as a high concentration of tartaric acid is also found in grapes. And the histological changes found in kidneys that were damaged by grape and raisin toxicity were similar to the changes found in the kidneys of dogs that did not survive after ingestion of cream of tartar. So the scientists believe it is likely that at least some of the toxicity of grapes and raisins in dogs is due to grapes and raisins containing tartaric acid. This is just another reason to keep all human foods away from your pets. And just because people can eat a food does not mean the food is safe for pets. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas anglers continue to reel in bass weighing over 13 pounds. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. It may be hovering around or below the freezing mark across most of Texas this week, but Texas lakes continue to be hot, 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 at least when it comes to fishing. A new season for the Toyota Sherlunker program is underway, and anglers continue to reel in 13-plus pound bass to loan to the program. Those bass are used for selective spawning at the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens. The spawn of loaned fish are stocked across Texas lakes after the breeding season to create bigger, better bass for Texas anglers. Anglers can loan bass weighing 13 pounds or more between now and the end of March. So far, three lunkers have been loaned to the program. 
The second Legacy Class Lunker of the season was caught January 23rd on Lake Nacogdoches. The 13.51-pound largemouth bass was caught by Jack York of Emory in about 15 feet of water using a sixth-cent Provoke deep diver bait. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, the lake has now produced legacy-class lunkers in three of the last four seasons. Another hot Texas lake is in the San Angelo area. It's the OHIV Reservoir. There, Kyle Hall of Granbury reeled in a 13.58-pound bass January 29th using a swim jig. It is the second 13-plus-pound bass caught in the lake this year. OHIV has produced two dozen share lunkers over the past two seasons, including a water body record 17.06-pound lunker that was caught last year. This year's Hot Lakes list, along with details on how you can donate lunkers weighing 13 pounds or more, are available on TexasShareLunker.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time once again to check out the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded lower for much of the day Wednesday, despite that report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture on Tuesday depicting a smaller cattle inventory in the United States than we had at the same time last year. Analysts say traders may be apprehensive. February live cattle down 42 cents to 158.42. April live cattle down 80 cents to 162.22. June live cattle down 45 cents to 158.70. March feeder cattle down $2.90 to 183.25. April feeder cattle down $2.10 to 187.95. May feeder cattle down $1.57 to 192.40. Box beef was lower Wednesday, choice down $1.33 to $264.76, select down $0.98 cents to $254.94. Now let's check those livestock markets. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes visits with me every Monday night after his sale in Three Rivers. Riley, how'd that sale go? Well, it went pretty good, Larry. The market pretty much steady was last week. Uh, cows, uh, they put a little money on the cows, uh, real cows, so that was better. Uh, but everything else pretty much sold steady, which I was pleased with. Just lots of bad weather up north of us, and uh, everybody's kind of worried about the transportation and getting cattle to and from. So uh, there was a few people out today because of that, but uh, we got along real well despite. Ended up with 1,782 head. Uh, not many pairs, again, 900 to 1,200 of what we had. Uh, bread cows did have quite a few of those, 750 up to 1,250. Uh, Packer cows, high-yielding cows, 88 to 96. Your breakers, 78 to 88. The canners, 50 to 68. High-yielding Packer bulls, 98 to $1.04. Low to medium-yielding, 84 to 98. Two to 
weight choice steers, 188 to 238. Heifer mates, 174 to 190. Three to four weight choice steers, 196 to 230. Heifer mates, 156 to 184. Four to five weight choice steers, 176 to 218. Heifer mates, 158 to 180. Uh, five to six weight choice steers, 174 to 204. Heifer mates, 148 to 176. Six to seven weight choice steers, 158 to 178. Heifer mates, 142 to 164. And the seven to eight weight cattle year choice steers, 142 to 164. And the heifer mates, 138 to 156. So pleased with it. You know, uh, it's the weather getting pretty nasty down here, not too far north of us. It, it's got ice and, and uh, not too good at all. So uh, glad to get them all placed and all done today. And uh, hopefully everybody stays warm for the week. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next Monday's sale, Riley. 361-813-6650 is the sale. 361-786-2553 is the office. Webpage, liveoaklifestock.com. We appreciate it, Riley. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. All right. Thank you, Larry. Lean hogs traded lower Wednesday due to technical pressure. February lean hogs down 90 cents to 73.97. April lean hogs down $2.12 to 84.30. Block cheese was up 2.5 cents Wednesday to $1.89. Barrel cheese fell a quarter of a cent to $1.58. February class 3 milk was 8 cents higher at 17.92 a hundred weight. March class 3 milk up 10 cents to 17.66 a hundred weight. Cotton traded lower Wednesday in anticipation of a report from the Federal Reserve on interest rates. The Fed ended up raising interest rates by a quarter of a percentage point. March cotton down 61 points to 85.61. December cotton down 21 points to 85.26. March corn up one and a quarter to 681. May corn up two to 679 and a half. March hard red wheat up five and a half to eight eighty four and a quarter. May hard red wheat up five to eight seventy six and three quarters. July hard red wheat up four and a half to eight sixty eight. March natural gas fell seventeen cents to two fifty one. April natural gas down sixteen cents to two fifty seven. March crude oil down two dollars and twenty cents to seventy six sixty seven. April crude oil down two dollars and eighteen cents to seventy six ninety nine. The Dow fell 21 points Wednesday to 34,064. The S&P 500 rose 28 points to 4,105. The Nasdaq up 167 points to 11,752. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. That wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.